Welcome to the 24-7 Prayer Podcast. I'm Brian Heasley. And I'm Hannah Heather. And we're so glad that you're here with us today. And we've got a great one today, haven't we? We have got, yeah, a brilliant episode today. We are going to be chatting with Lucy Hill, who is the director of 24-7 Prayer in Ireland. And she shares a lot of her her heart for her country and, you know, what it looks like to live and minister in quite a, still quite a divided nation. Brian and I get a little bit patriotic, don't we? We do. I think my Irish accent came out a little bit more during this podcast because... It's a beautiful thing. We we love Irish accents on this podcast, so, yeah. um, so you will enjoy that. And then as well, I think Lucy, um, you know, she opens up and she's, she has the, the really, the courageous conversation with us um, about grief and loss and share some of her own journey. And I think, you know, if you're listening to the podcast today and you are in a difficult season or you're trying to support a friend who's going through a difficult season, I think some of what Lucy shares will really resonate with you and and be a help to you. Please be advised that there is a moment in this podcast episode when we will be discussing the topic of baby loss and we're aware that this will be upsetting to some of our listeners. Today we have Lucy Hill with us, the uh, director of Twenty Four Seven Prayer Ireland. It's so great to have you, Lucy, and thank you for giving your time to us today. Uh, you may notice during this podcast that my own Irish accent gets a little bit stronger, but that's kind of what happens when you talk to loads of Irish people. So, Lucy, it's really lovely to have you with us. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. Could you tell us a little bit about who you are, where are you from, what do you do? We'd love to hear that. Okay, um, so I am Lucy, as Brian's already told you. I live in Dublin, in Ireland, um, and uh, but I grew up in Belfast uh, for the first eighteen years of my life. Um, and uh, but I've been, I've actually lived, I've lived down in Dublin longer now, which is giving away my age longer now than I lived in Belfast. Um, I, as Brian said, I work for Twenty Four Seven Prayer in Ireland. I um, help lead the team here, and. Um, I've only been in that role for the last two years, um, so I wear a few other a few other hats in my day to day. I've I'm married to Ross, and we've got three girls. Um, three we, girls! Oh my goodness! Three girls. Yes, I live in a world of women. I've got three sisters, three girls. I've about a million nieces. So yeah, there's a lot of women in my life, um, and uh, yeah, that keeps me. That also keeps me busy. Ross and I also help lead a small twenty four seven per community here in Dublin as well. Um, and uh, which is great fun, uh, hard work sometimes, but good fun too. Um, yeah, and like and a few other things sometimes I do as well. Brilliant. You keep yourself busy, Lucy. It sounds like. <laughs> well, yeah, probably too busy might be the uh, the the, re- the reality. But yes, it's um, it's pretty full at the minute. Well, could you tell us a little bit about? I mean, I'd love to get more into your story um and and what it's like to be you know a Belfast girl living in Dublin um yes. and just get into a little bit of that but could you just tell us first like why 24-7 prayer like why are you passionate about prayer and you know what way has it made a difference in your life yeah well as I said already giving away my age so you know we're next year we're celebrating 25 years of 24-7 prayer and when I think about, I just realised how strongly I said prayer there in a very Northern Irish accent. It's good. Um, but ne- um, Never apologise for your Northern prayer. Irish accent. <laughs> um, I know. So, yeah. So when I look back on my own kind of faith journey and my own spiritual life, I think about 
my teen years and that really like that really formative time I think when my faith was coming into its own obviously I grew up in a grew up in a Christian home grew up my parents were pastors so you know church and faith life was part of my you know my life from the beginning but really in those teen years when it began to become my own and I was just I was reflecting on this about how it was at the same time when 24 7 was birthed really essentially and Mm -hmm. and actually I I think what really for me was that I was in a church where it was there was something was happening at the same time around prayer and I think I was really shaped by a culture of prayer and intercession and um I kind of did my early teen years around the Toronto blessing I don't know if you remember that crazy time um and um and although there was a lot of craziness in that uh, particular season um something was kind of really formed in me I think around a heart for Ireland specifically but and then around prayer Um, and then actually but actually our church community came out of that season and went into this this real call to prayer actually and so we when I was about 17 we prayed in our church community we prayed every morning at 6 a.m and seven days a week for it was well over a year Um, and and then it was literally at the same time that 24 7 was birthed um, and so, like, I remember getting up, you know, getting up at like, you know, 10 to, 10 to 6 and heading down my school uniform um, and being a part of that. Um, and then 24-7 happened and I just kind of got caught up into that. I was at, you know, first gathering in Frankfurt. I remember standing with Brian outside in like club praying for Ireland. <laughs> um, and and that followed me into university uh, where we did the same. And it's funny, isn't it? It's like, I just feel like, something was sort of shaped in me around prayer and realizing that whatever was going to happen in my life prayer was going to be at the heart of it mm. and I actually only started working for 24-7 two years ago but as I look back over the last 25 years I'd like while I'd say my relationship with prayer has changed you know since I was 17 um, I would say I found a breadth and a depth to it that I didn't have back then but that was really key for me I think around yeah. um God starting something. So you, you've been on this. You said the breadth and the depth, and your relationship with prayer has changed. You've moved from, uh, a, let me say, a charismatic new church in yeah. Belfast. And for those of our, those who are listening, we have to remember that Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland are at the moment two separate countries. Yes, indeed. So you and you've been on, would you say, a journey of prayer and. How how would you say your prayer life has changed over the years from a, a you know a sold out seventeen year old? I do remember standing on some steps outside a nightclub in Frankfurt many years ago, praying that God would revive Ireland. And mm. it's we're maybe twenty five years in, and let's be honest, God hasn't revived Ireland, but he you know he's Ireland has changed, and we've seen some beautiful changes. Yeah. But how has your how has your journey with prayer changed? Yeah, I mean. It is true, isn't it? You know, you look back on the sort of the 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 energy and the enthusiasm of of youth, and um, and I love, I kind of love what God was doing with me at that time. But obviously, then I think probably part of my journey has been like discovering the breadth of prayer across the traditions. You know, I, I as Brian said, like you grew up in a charismatic setting, and so. Um, you learn a lot about intercession and about warfare, and I would say you know prayer is quite it's quite loud, it's sort of quite loud, and it can be quite intense. Um, and I, I I probably particularly in the last ten years I think have to discovered the con- more contemplative side to prayer, mm. um, and and some of the beautiful things that 
you know that you don't get in a in a new church setting around liturgy and you know and the church calendar and and some of the the richness that that comes from that I think as well and so I there's um I heard someone recently refer to himself as a contemplative charismatic and I you know I love that I love that it's not either or that it's not like you have to kind of either you know be a wild and crazy charismatic um or who only does intercession um but that you and the, the reality is is that like we pray differently in different seasons in our lives don't mm-hmm. we and so I think yeah like I probably have learned I learned more about prayer in the hardest season in my life when I didn't want to pray actually when I really had given up on the idea of prayer and I I thought like I don't I don't know if I even believe you know I don't even know if I believe in prayer anymore I don't think it, you know I don't know if it works and I was without I think any kind of faith or hope and I think that actually probably shaped and formed some you know something much more with a lot more depth in me than you know any of the other experiences that I'd had in prayer and so um I love I think it's Mark Sayers talks about how you know our posture as as you know as Jesus followers is always in prayer is always in surrender but actually the practices that shape us and form us are different depending on the different seasons in our lives and I I kind of I love that picture because like it's just it's not one note is it it's it's mm, sometimes it's, it's silence and yeah you know and that's all we can do like I you know at that season in my life when I was like I don't I don't know if I want to pray anymore I remember saying it to a, a really wise uh, older Christian and she just said well maybe just don't you know <laughs> <And she laughs> wow. was like just don't and I, and I thought no one had ever given me permission sort of to to not do that it was sort of felt like I had you know like I had to I had to make myself do it and she was like just let your silence be your prayer and that was wow. as po- you know I think that was as powerful for me at that particular time in my life as kind of any big kind of prayer meetings that I've been in. Lucy are you happy to talk about that part of your life? Oh, yeah absolutely. Um, Could you yeah. explain kind of what happened there? Yeah so uh, we Ross and I had we were like I was how old was I? I was probably only in my early 30s we had two girls and I was pregnant with our third child and um I was full term I was over overly full term I was uh, heavily pregnant and when I went in to deliver our son um my we found out that his heart had stopped and so he was a stillborn baby so our little boy Jude was I delivered him and um it was like as you can imagine you know that your world kind of crashes all around you and I would say probably up to that moment in our lives both of us we probably lived quite like relatively easy lives you know we hadn't had a huge amount mm-hmm. of difficulty or you know or challenge and so like obviously uh, something like that I, I it's like a complete disorientation it's not just grief but it's like everything in your world sort of gets put on its head and um, and so naturally your faith is is you know is really challenged in in the midst of that and in the midst of your of your pain and so I I you know and that was the I just remember thinking god I don't I don't know how to trust you anymore because I you know it's it's wow. like you, mm-hmm. when you're pregnant I you pray for your be you know you pray for your baby don't you yeah um, and your hope is obviously for a healthy baby and I thought you go through all those emotions, don't you? I was like, did I pray less? Did I pray any less for this one? You know, did I? And mm. you, of course, you like you go to blame, but then you like, yeah, you go. And 
I'm quite a rational person at times. I remember thinking at one point, well, like, of course, like, you know, why bad things happen all the time in the world around us. People are, you know, in pain and, and experience loss and grief all the time. Why would I be immune to that? But mm-hmm. but then at the same time, something in me was like, but God, why did like why did you let that happen to me? Why you know why why did that have why did that happen? And I really was felt like God. I just I don't know if I can trust you anymore. I don't know how to wow. pray as if I trust you. So and that takes you know it's like trust in any relationship, isn't it? It takes time mm-hmm. to like find your way back to sort of being oriented again around a God that we can trust, even if we don't understand everything that's happened to us. Um, wow. And so prayer was really complicated for me. Yeah. I think. yeah. Um, and so they said like silence or just praying my pain um, was, mm-hmm. was a really important part of that, I think. And I'm sure we're going to have people listening here who are in a season where they feel God hasn't heard them or he's yeah. let them down or... You know what? What would you? I mean, we're not an advice column, but like I know. what? And we and you know, and I know that this is way more complex. But if if we were, if you were to give someone a encouragement in a time of darkness, what what would you say, Luce? I think, like, I think I really learned in that season not to fear the dark, and um. you know, it, it isn't it like we kind of, it's in our culture everything dark is sort of bad you know a sort of symbol symbolic of something bad isn't it it's like you know the night time yes. and you know we're kind of culture to fear it a little bit and um it's Brene Brown I think has that really lovely illustration on empathy isn't it where it's like is someone sitting in the dark and our temptation is always to kind of go in and pull the light switch you know mm. and make like make it bright again and I remember yeah. that you know when then you're in the depth of grief and pain people just desperately want you to be okay and and you know you will be in time but you can't kind of rush that process and I always Mm. think like my picture of Jesus really changed in that time because I realized that instead of like him in a weird way instead of because that's what he did he he climbed down into the darkness you know essentially into our world and and sat you know and, and you know he 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 dwelt among us he sat in it and I feel like sometimes in Christianity isn't it we like we rush to turn the light on um I love Barbara Brown Taylor calls it like a solar Christianity. It's like, oh no, wow. everything's okay. Mm. Like, you know, we're okay. Um, and she talks about a lunar Christianity, which is like that has wow. light and dark. I love that. I know. I and I that picture has really helped me. So I think I would say, like, don't don't fear the dark. Um, because and actually I don't want to do a mini preach, but at the most Now you go. The most well, the most helpful and comforting passage for me in scripture actually through that whole season was Mary in the garden um you know when Jesus is resurrected but she doesn't know it yet mm. and I'm always really struck that like she's at a tomb she's tending to a place that's essentially death like it yeah. represents death it's a dead place and a tomb is a dark place and she is showed up there and Jesus is already there but she doesn't realize it yet mm. and I think for me it was like that just really realizing that you know I might not even be aware I might be in a dead place or feel like I'm just tending to dead things but uh, but the resurrected Jesus is already there I just haven't yet realized it and so I didn't know that at the time I you know it's only looking back but I do just think that might you know show up 
as honestly as you can. It's like Mary's crying in the garden. She's not like, Jesus mm. is here. She's she's feeling her grief and she's crying. Yeah, she, and she's maybe almost like blinded by her tears. If she can't see who's in front of her. You kind of imagine that, yes, as you say, Hannah, like she's not probably just like little tears. She's probably weep. you know, she's probably yeah. weeping. Yeah. Um, and so I just think show up as honestly as you can. Um, mm-hmm. And... And, and like God is way more patient than most of you know most of us as Christians. <laughs> yeah. I read once that uh, uh, someone said Jesus reveals Himself to us in the shadow play of our lives. Mm. That you know, it's the chia oscuro, the light and the darkness, where He comes to us. And I, I love that. Yeah. yeah. No, I yeah, I do too. And so I just think, and life is you know maybe is a more often full of some of the, you know th- those dark yeah. moments. I. Yeah, it, it can feel like that a lot of the time, isn't it? And in Christian community, you're like, life's hot, like it's really hard. Yeah. Um, and so how do we find Jesus in that place and in that space? I think that's so powerful, Lucy. And thank you for your courage in, in sharing that story. Because as you say, like the light and the dark are such, they, these are like the tension points in life that we can't ignore. And I think so much of our time as Christians or as preachers, we can get quite like... um triumphalistic can't we yes and we make even the incarnation you know all about resurrection when in fact there is death (laughs) you know and and actually I think Jesus coming to us Jesus becoming flesh and stepping into the world like you know his experience of our pain is so much greater than a oh they're there you know it's a proper empathetic I have been to the very depths of where you have been in order that you're not alone in this pain it's like just really profound that Jesus knows darkness so yes and um yeah so I really appreciate that that word that you've shared thank you it's it's weird isn't it because in a we do sometimes live in a world where it's all rah 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 yeah you know and it's all like and and we fear sharing that we're in a dark moment Exactly. Yeah. yeah. In Northern Ireland, we talk, we call it, you know, it's like, how do we get to the testimony? The testimony. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like, what's the testimony? And I, like, I remember somebody like really early on saying to me, you know, like, oh, what are the, you know, what are the promises you feel like God's speaking to you in this season? And I was like, none. I don't feel any. Like, there's, yeah. you know, it's just really bleak right now. It's really, I'm, you know, I, I you know, and I think it was like, way to, way to end a conversation. But, you know, I, I just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I, th- I think it's 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 so important isn't it to be like I can still say I'm a, like I'm here I, I'm a person of faith and like when I think about prayer and like you know the times when God's answered prayers really you know dramatically or amazingly and then like, mm. but actually the 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 more normal experiences is that actually the the better story is that I'm still here I'm still praying and absolutely like, even though you know it's it's been really hard sometimes and and as you said Brian in the like bigger picture it's like we're still here still praying for God to move in our nation um Mm -hmm. and and it hasn't you know it hasn't happened yet in fact some days you're like is it just getting is it just getting worse you know is it just me or does it feel like it's getting worse out there so you know there's something of just I think Sarah Bessie calls it the hard and holy work of showing up Mm. wow love that yeah and I, I do I love that I just think like actually that's my story it's not necessarily you know that I have been really successful in prayer or you know have lo- you know loads to say but I've I know that I've been so shaped and formed by 
by showing up, you know, whether it's been, you know, profound or intimate or just being like, I don't, are you here? I don't know. Yeah. You know, um, so there's something really shaping in the just, in the, the showing up. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that wisdom from that lady who said to you, let your silence be your prayer. Isn't that stunning? And like that you just don't, I don't feel like we talk about that enough, that there are seasons when all we can do is be silent. Yeah. And that that is more than enough. And actually to just breathe, <laughs> to just be in the presence of God, like, and whether you feel it's his presence or you feel it's his absence, you know, because often yeah. it's, it's, you feel you're being silent before an absent God when really, you know, there's something actually quite profound happening there. We, we want to jump from Good Friday to Easter Sunday without really thinking about Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. yeah. I think we feel like we can't because we know, you know, obviously the disciples didn't know, well, you know, they should have known, but they didn't know that Sunday was coming. But and we know yeah. it, so we think, oh, well, well like it's okay because Sunday is already happened, and so I'm, like, you know, surely it's okay. And there is mm. something really freeing, isn't it? And just being, and I, I think it's really important as the church as well that we give space for it. Like I just remember people getting really afraid for us, and I it was almost like you're sort of holding their breath, like, oh, what if they're gonna, you know, what if they're gonna lose their faith? What if they're, you know, what if they're gonna hmm. step away? And actually. You know, it wasn't. It was because if it wasn't for our community, we might have. Mm-hmm. But actually, mm-hmm. we were he- like, you know, we were held by a group of people who hoped for us, who trusted for us when we didn't feel like we could. Mm-hmm. And and so actually, in those seasons, a lot of people retreat from church, don't they? They kind of pull away yeah. and they think, because yeah. I'm, you know, I'm struggling here. I'm not sure, you know, how to trust God. I don't know how to pray. So how can I show up at church? But actually like there's bell hook says no one heals in isolation and mm-hmm. I just think I would I don't think we'd still be here if it wasn't for a community of people who who did the hoping for us who did the praying when we couldn't so that's a really important challenge actually yeah. for those of us who are like listening to this story and you, it's it's a hard one isn't it because I know I've had friends and I've seen them lose their trust in God and start to sort of slowly back away from like gathered community expressions and it's like knowing how how to hold them and like how to not sort of force your <laughs> force yourself and your hope on them but in a way that does exactly what you've just said and like and actually helps helps to keep um keep on trusting for them when they can and it's actually, I think it's quite a fine balance, isn't it, of knowing how to show up for people. But it feels like from your story, maybe just the being there and the and the carrying on is really important to keep doing. No one heals in isolation. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, people do sometimes walk away. Yeah, and you and you understand, you do understand it because sometimes it's like, and because sometimes grief journeys are quite, they're quite lonely because you're the person experiencing it and everybody yeah. else's life is ticking on you know around you and so there's I I get like I get that feeling sometimes like I yeah. can't be around that I remember you know people like other people at different times saying that it's like it's too hard to be around people who are you know doing okay you're right Hannah it's so hard to hold the balance of kind of being there for people but I think it's that permission it's 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 the like answered the joy of answered prayer and the the lament of unanswered prayer and it's like yeah we in church community find a way to hold space for all of those things um without diminishing like who god is and what god's doing but equally just recognizing just some of the 
like the reality of that prayer can be really hard and really painful at times. Wow. Lucy, so moving on, not not trying to move on, sorry. <laughs> moving on. Brian, trying to cheer yeah. us all up now. No, sorry. <laughs> Guys, by the way, I do know Lucy really well. I'm not just being like an insensitive right, I'm, not, I'm not mortally offended. It's fine. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lucy. And uh, honestly, it's been a, it's for me to watch you on your journey, it's been a humbling and a, a beautiful experience just to, to see how you guys have dealt with this and mm. and your girls and Ross and the way you've been through it. It's been just wonderful to see. But tell us, like, how do we keep praying for a nation? I, I'm, I was a little bit pessimistic at the bit, beginning of this, maybe, <laughs> maybe because I've only had one coffee. Maybe if I'd had two, I'd have been slightly more... That's, that's dreadful. It isn't was it? a very harsh assessment. It's not there. <laughs> Guys, there's no revival in Ireland. That's, that's the news from this podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, forgive my pessimism. Uh, I am way more optimistic, and there have been a lot of beautiful things happening in our nation over the years. How do you, how do you pray for a nation? Well, that's like a really small question, isn't it? Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. I mean, it's funny when you asked me at the start about, you know, why prayer and why passionate about prayer. And, and like the other thing I was thinking about was like, obviously in Ireland, you've got this sort of like great heritage around like Celtic Christianity. But actually more specifically for me, you know, growing up in Northern Ireland, um, you know, right like throughout the Troubles and then. I was like I, you know, I I was eighteen when the Good Friday Agreement was signed. Which, for those of our listeners, was the uh, peace agreement signed between uh, the, the the British government and some of the terrorist organisations and Sinn Fein and a few other people like that, which brought about uh, peace in our yeah, land. A, a peace of sorts in in Ireland, and but like I was, you know, I was just thinking, I was like, that was, I don't think I knew it then, but I know now that was the fruit of like years and years and years of prayer yeah um, and you know I was even thinking this morning like those early morning prayer meetings kind of that God sort of stirred our church into but like we're literally the year before that that happened that Good Friday agreement happened um and but but like that was just one you know we were just one little piece in a group you know people who just prayed for for yeah. so long and it was the fruit of faithful and persevering prayer and mm-hmm. like that took a long time and I, I, like prayer can be so frustrating isn't it because like it's like very it's one of those things in life it's really hard to measure isn't it it's like yeah. how do we yeah. how do we really know and if that's what what made a difference but I am utterly convinced that you know had we not prayed we w- you know we wouldn't have seen the peace that we that we got to and you know, was is it everything? Is it a fragile piece? Absolutely, but that's because you know this side of eternity, you know every type of every piece is going to be fragile. So, oh wow, that's a line, Lucy. <laughs> like, well, you know, because it's not every. You know, is it everything we'd hoped for 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 Northern Ireland? Absolutely not. But it it was something that you know that really mattered, and I just I actually you know I think being like at that age and being have been around that that kind of culture of like just fervently saying like we're not going to stop asking you to do this god like this is it's really yeah. bad here at the minute but we're mm-hmm. not going to stop asking you to do that and i just you know maybe like as you get older your expectation shifts and changes a little bit and and i i think you know of course like the longing of our hearts is 
you know, spiritual awakening, revival, you know, and, and a complete transformation of, of like the society around us. But like, I do think we have to look at, you know, most people when they think about like God breaking into their nation starts with like their friends and their neighbors and their family. And it's mm-hmm. like, I do think we have to value, you know, those, like those smaller breakthroughs and those, uh, the smaller shifts and the smaller changes. And that that fuels us to like to go ask for like ask for more ask for more you know and and don't give up and like I'm I'm sort of getting to the age where I'm like and maybe I won't see it all like maybe I, I can't remember who I think it's E.M. Bounds who said like it's never a waste of time when we pray mm-hmm. and whether or even if I never see the fruit of that so like how yeah. do we, you know how do we keep praying for for a nation I think like we probably could a little bit more is that yeah <laughs> is without like, I hate that for a feeling <laughs> of like guilt and like beating us up I, I'm trying to find this because I wrote it down Alan Emerson posted this like sucker punch of a quote yesterday you didn't see it no I was busy making my own Instagram stories to <laughs> not look at anybody else's <laughs> you were too busy influencing it was John Stott he said I sometimes wonder whether the comparatively slow progress towards peace and justice in the world and towards evangelization is due more than anything else to the prayerlessness of the people of God. Wow. It's like, ouch. Oof. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Goodness me. Um, and, and like, I, you know, we've probably, like, gone way away from wanting to use any form of, like, guilt or shame or beating people up about not praying enough, but... I kind of know. But we should beat them a little, is what I'm <laughs> just hearing. Just a little bit. <laughs> just, like, we could just do a little bit better. But I don't know. I do just feel like, if God like strips everything else away from the church and just be like, just, just be a people who pray, yeah, you know, and, and it, it feels a little bit like that's, there's a lot of stripping away happening at the minute in the church. It, it, it really does, Lucy. I think that's a really, really good point. And I think in terms of like, you know, persevering in prayer and it not being wasted, it's like there's two, there's two things in Revelation that it talks about God collecting tears and prayers. Like, there's yeah. two things that he doesn't that he holds on to for eternity, right. like our tears and the prayers of the saints. Like he, so th- there's there cannot be a waste in prayer, can there? If if God holds it, yeah, um, yeah I love that picture. I would love to hear a little bit um, from you, Lucy, about what it's like. So, you know, you've moved from Belfast to Dublin. You're, um, you're, you know, living and working and praying and loving your community there. But as you say, you know, there is there is peace, but it's a fragile peace. And, you know, what does it look like to love your neighbour? And, you know, in your context where that, that sometimes looks like kind of healing a divide between two nations, you know, what does is, what is loving your neighbour look like where you are? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I think people don't realise that sometimes people don't even realize that we're two separate countries do they <laughs> depending on no. what, where you're from it's like there's a lot of explaining has to happen sometimes um and um and weirdly like where's this little tiny island but we're you know we are two very distinct places um and probably even like more surprising more more so than people would expect you know there's yeah it's quite you're Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland are very different culture you know culturally different places and um, and spaces so in this really small space you've got these very different kind of cultures even like I'd say you know spiritually and um in in lots and in, in lots of ways um and I so mean, it's, it's different money isn't it like yeah different money 
definitely like di- just yeah different totally even just I think like just how we relate and the way we do things and the, the yes. you know how we, we see things it's also it's very different and so like it you kind of you know I think you sort of think like what's the what's the big deal but our like even how we see our history and we understand it and our narrative and our, our viewpoint is so yeah it's been shaped so so differently and so you know it's I I just I think I was thinking about this like in terms of reconciliation that picture of reconciliation that's so strong in in the New Testament and and that Paul I think really I like, guess at the heart of the gospel essentially and then you know you think about like when he's speaking to the church he's not talking to them about like people who are like are living in another country he's talking about like the people who are in their own communities it's like the mm. people who are around you like this is the kind of reconciling work that God is is wanting to do in our in our lives so you know when he's like there's neither you know Jew, you know June or Greek you know male or female slave or free he's not like talking about other people he's talking about like the people that they're together with in community and there's yeah. something like really challenging about having to do reconciliation with the people that were right beside isn't it like mm-hmm. that we're closest mm-hmm. to because yeah. it's much easier to be like oh I want to go somewhere and you know learn about another culture or you know be challenged about about something but actually the people are like right beside you side by side to kind of seemingly the same mm-hmm. but actually there's so much there's there's a lot of distance there and there's a lot of of a divide and and that's the hard I think that's the harder work but I just I think in in reconciliation and in in in, and in loving our neighbors you have to say Hannah it's like it only ever really works when we're willing to surrender or lay something or give something up of ourselves yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and maybe like could I say in the church like we haven't always been very good at that of like you mm. know being willing to give up sort of something of ourselves because I think sometimes we're so driven by sort of fear of yep. the other like we're really good at othering so it's like yeah oh wow yes we're in here and we fit in this little mo- you know this kind of little set and and it's safe in here and it feels comfortable mm-hmm. but yeah. we're really good at othering and like in northern or in ireland like we're really good at othering catholics and protestants you know it's like it's it actually really amazed me when i moved down here at like how little people understood about you know the protestant tradition you know, and there was so much othering happened um and and then likewise the same thing happens in in protestant tradition where ca- like catholicism there's so much othering happens and so we kind of pitch ourselves and, and we get a bit more entrenched so yeah mm. i just feel like there's something of just being willing to give up some of those things and yeah like a wee bit of like maybe sometimes it's our power or our position but actually sometimes it's like giving up our fear something mm-hmm. we don't wow. fully, we don't quite understand Wow. and move towards each other and prayer is this I just think prayer is this incredible unifier yeah like yeah, so good. If, of anything I think you know we can I think we've got to like learn to listen and we've got to sit with each other and we've got to hear each other's stories and we've got to but actually because prayer is just this like constant surrendering isn't it of just like mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not God I I'm not in, <laughs> I'm not in control and so when we do that together um something really significant happens or something really so powerful good. happens so i i think what i'm really excited about even from a 24 7 prayer perspective is the way in which i'm seeing that happen like all, right across ireland actually just in little pockets people just being like we don't really know what to do or we don't know what god is doing but we just want to pray together 
I come from East Belfast, which is an incredibly Protestant tradition. Some my my background, you know, is possibly not particularly positive towards the Catholic Church. But now I work with some beautiful Catholic believers. I think last month I had the glorious opportunity of going to the Vatican. So I'm just just dropping that in so that no one thinks I'm stuck in a kind of rut here. But how does it work, Lucy, on the ground, that sense of how do we bring Catholics and Protestants together around prayer? I mean, it it is kind of back to that thing of like, I... I'm going to have to let go of some, I'm going to have to lay down some things here, you know, mm. in, in terms of like, I, I even just kind of, I mean, so much of what we do, isn't it? It's preference. So it's like, we think it's because, you know, we're right or it's the right way to do things or we are theologically, you know, completely right. But so much of it's about preference. And, yeah, and so, you know, I think, like it's okay to have those conversations isn't it like to ask the questions about theology and Mm -hmm. try and understand you know why do you why do you do that or why do you think like that but I always remember my mom my mom and dad would say grew up in very protestant traditions um and you know and then when they planted their their church in Belfast like worked really hard at be kind of sort of saying making a statement to say we're not either we're neither protestant or catholic you know we're just christians and so, you know, trying to create space, but like my mom would say, like, even then, you know, there was still things like suspicion, essentially, isn't it? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, suspicious. Mm-hmm. And I just remember saying like the first time she sat down with a Catholic priest and, you know, I met, I met him and listened to him talk about Jesus. And, and she said it was like this realization of like, he loves the same Jesus that I love. And, and and expresses it differently but there is this you know just this really beautiful recognition that like it's this this is the same Jesus that he is you know is serving and loving and and giving his life to and and unless we take in in some ways like unless we take the time to let to do that work isn't it where it's not because we have all these ideas about what people think and how you know and why they're right or wrong about what they do and how they do things but like you get in a room with somebody and you listen to their heart Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, and you it, you realize maybe some maybe some of those things aren't as important as we think they are, yeah. you know, and uh, uh, you know, and at the end of the day, like I am utterly convinced, you know, and there still are plenty of groups of people in Ireland who who won't work together, you know, who'll say like we, you know, I I come across it fairly regularly still, yeah, but I really believe don't believe that there will be a move of God across Ireland until we find a way to do it. To do that together and actually yeah i don't believe that there will be a move of god across ireland unless it happens in the catholic church as well and mm-hmm. you know i don't think it will be you know in spite of or, or outside of i think as much as in my in the tradition i'm part of we we're just talking about that weren't we about how mm-hmm. god is like stripping away and we're seeing things crumble and we're just like we're seeing in the in the evangelical church essentially we're just seeing all these things that's already happened in the catholic church they've you know, it's, it's, it's hit rock bottom, it's crumbled. And so like, it's almost like there's this leveling happening and right across the church, actually where it's like, God, like build something new, like build yeah. something yeah. different, but, and like do it, do it together. And mm-hmm. so uh, good. Yeah. And I love, like we recently, prayer spaces and schools in, in Ireland um, is there's loads happening there. And I love like recently we just found out there's just this bunch of nuns down in Waterford who had, 
come across first races in schools and they're like they're just going into loads of schools and and doing prayer spaces and love it like just they love you know they get it they love what it is um so there's so much to to bring us together rather than you know than, than keep us apart I love that a bunch of nuns in Waterford <laughs> doing prayer spaces in schools and in one of our uh, other podcasts for this series, we've actually got a Catholic priest from Austria who we're going to be spending some time with just trying to ask him some of the questions that Hannah and I have as interested Protestants. <laughs> and uh, that should be amazing. But Lucy, what would we've got, we've got two more questions we'd love to ask you before this draws to a close. But uh, what would a spiritual awakening look like in your context? Because it hasn't happened, according to Brian. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've all, we're asking everybody this. Yeah, no, yeah. What, <laughs> what would it look like? Like, what, what, how, how would we know that Ireland was kind of waking up spiritually? What would that, what would be the signs? Do you think? I mean, it has to start with the people of God, doesn't it? I mean, I think you know, if as if we, you know, as I keep referring to, it's like something god is is doing something already uh, you know i know we're joking about nothing is, is happening but actually I feel like the be- the beginning is that yeah. part where it's like there's a ter- there's kind of like a tearing down this is sort of yeah. like a clearing it's almost like a clearing isn't it it's like clear the like let's clear the way cuz this stuff you, you know in in some ways it's like we've defiled the temple in the you know in as many yeah. ways as as when jesus you know, and kind of part of what when Jesus came to to bring in his rule and his reign and, you know, the inbreaking of the peace, the shalom of God, like he came and he, he sort of he had to clear the place a bit, didn't he? And wow. I, I feel like, you know, although that feels really hard and sad and we should like rightly so should lament, you know, some of the stuff that we see happening in the church. I feel like there's this sort of clearing happening. God's just like, let's yeah. get wow. this Amazing. stuff out of the way. Yeah. Um, and. And it's hard to sort of sometimes perceive that, but it, because it's 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 like, well, you know, is this is it just all crumbling before our very eyes? But I kind of, I'm kind of okay. I sort of feel okay about it. I think, yeah, God, mm. like, so get good. like just get rid of the stuff that's not you and not your kingdom and cleanse the temple. Yeah, and yeah, like so. Let's let's flip over some tables and just be be kind of. I mean, there's something is. I think there's a younger generation who are, are kind of doing that a little bit. They're like, actually, yes. You know, there's some stuff that you guys have allowed to to emerge in the church that doesn't feel very Jesus centered, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so, um, like, I think we've got to work really hard not to lose them from the church, but yeah. but equally to be like, okay, let's let's embrace the clearing, and like in my own life as well, isn't that there's sort of that sense of like the spiritual awakening there's something of like okay we're gonna to have to ply up some really hard ground here first yeah, and then yeah. see what what seeds so i you know as as much as i definitely you know struggle sometimes looking around thinking god what are, like what are you doing here you know mm. and, are, and are you doing anything i i feel like there's a clearing and yeah um and so a spirit i i do think a spiritual awakening will start with the bot like with the body of christ it will something Brilliant. will shift and and like I know we're about prayer but I do sort of feel like it'll result it'll be a church that finds its way to its knees like that really starts to take prayer seriously um and you know I'm not I I I think like you know Asbury 
you know, is is sort of something you know we've we've re- probably reflected on a bit this year. But there is something in that of sort of like it's not prescriptive. Like let's not sort of say you know spiritual awakening will look like when we're doing you know X Y and Z. You know, I think prayer will look different in different contexts and why God uses it and does it. But I do think essentially it will be that. And then you know beyond that, it, like for me, it has to be like the inbreaking of the shalom of God into our yeah. whole, like into the whole society. So I don't, you know, I want the Wilberforce effect. I don't want it just to be like where we're in church meetings, but I want it to be where the presence of God just can't be contained to those spaces anymore. Societal so, change. Yeah. And also that it's like, we step into like coffee shops where I show up at the school gate and, and like, it, it's, there's a tangible, you know, there's something, the presence of God is tangibly there yeah, and, and at work it, in the lives of you know people around me so I don't even know I don't know what I think but I sort of wonder if traditionally the traditional awakening saw people flocking to churches um because they knew that was there was sort of something in there in the culture that was like that's the place you go but we don't have that sense anymore so I almost feel like an awakening now would be the opposite of like you know the church goes to all of those places and the presence Amazing. of God goes with them into those spaces. You know, I, I'd much rather, I'd much rather, I want to hear those stories rather than, oh, we had like hundreds of people show up at our building. Um, I want to hear the stories of people being like, I showed up at the school gate and got, to, you know, I got to pray with someone and they encountered, you know, the Holy Spirit. And, and that has led to transformation in this, you know, in the, in their, in their whole life you know in, in every yeah, aspect so good. Love that, Lucy. um i'm just i'm conscious of time but we've got one question we'd love to ask just as we close um i wonder if you could briefly tell us one what is one experience of prayer that you have had that you will never forget we had friends they weren't in our church community but they're friends of ours who had their their four-year-old daughter um had a genital like congenital heart and and she needed a new heart essentially and so she was in hospital for like over a year. She'd been like unable to leave the hospital. Um, and we just had like on the list a heart for joy. And like we, you know, we just, we kept praying for it and nothing, was, you know, nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. And I used to take my girls in to see Joy every week in the hospital. We'd go in and, you know, they'd play with her and they'd hang out with her. Um, and it kind of was like, just felt like it was getting worse rather than better. You know, that sort of like, okay, well, what's happening here and I remember going I remember going in on we'd go in on a Monday and we went in the afternoon and and we got in and she was in bed and she was asleep and you could tell like she just wasn't you know it wasn't good she wasn't doing well and this you know her but like her body was really struggling and she was you know really weak and so we stayed for a little while and then I just remember like get you know leaving with the girls and we're all sort of quite they were young but we were quite quiet and I just got into the lift and I just like I was so emotional and I just said God don't you dare let that little girl die and mm. you know and it was like you know we just it was like silent we just the girls and I just stood in silence and we left and that was it like we just walked you know got in the car and drove home and literally four hours later I got a text that said we're on the way to Newcastle there's a heart wow, oh, wow. and That's amazing uh, yeah and uh, like and I, I said it earlier like those stories for me are few and far between you know like we you know we prayed and prayed as a community for like for a lot you know it felt like a long time you know mm-hmm. and 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 I probably didn't have a lot of faith mm-hmm. 
for anything to change or be different but I you know and actually it wasn't even like a really faithful prayer it was just like a desperate prayer of like god don't like don't you dare um and uh and then like and there it was you know there it was and she went on to have a heart transplant and this day amazingly well so you know I like as I look back you know I'm sure in all the years there's been other moments like that but in the last number of years that's the one I think that stands out for me it's uh the constantly of prayer that produces these suddenly moments so yeah I love that. Absolutely. Lucy, thank you so much. Mm, and thank you so thank much you. for exampling the hard and holy work of showing up. Oh, thanks. And you too, guys. Really I appreciate mean, it. That's, uh, that's really the rea- mostly the reality of uh, yeah. <laughs> faith life, isn't it? So thank you for your honesty. Thank you. We have so loved talking to you. And uh, yeah, bless you, Lucy. Speak to you soon. It's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the 24-7 Prayer Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our work, please do visit 247prayer.com.